it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. It always gives us direction when we need it. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but your word will never pass away. So therefore, Father, we put our full trust in what you're going to say to us today. And I thank you, Father, for this word changing our lives, changing our our attitudes, and changing our minds so that we are thinking like kingdom citizens. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated at home. Before I jump into the message, can we give heaven my daughter a big hand clap for leading that song? She did good, didn't she? Yeah, she did an amazing job. I'm not sure where she got singing from. It comes from the cow inside of the family. But Pastor Sarah and I did not gift that gift, just so you know. It skipped us and went to her. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, before I jump into it, I want to thank everyone for sowing into Pastor Sarah and I's life on last week for our value, the visionary, because it's always a blessing and a privilege to teach God's people and to lead God's people. So can, can you give yourselves a hand clap? Can you do that? Thank you all so much. Now, we've been in a series called Choosing to Honor. Everyone say Choosing to Honor. Now, today is our last message in this series, so if you've been following us, the series has been Choosing to Honor. And so today, our message title, if you're taking notes, is Restoring Honor. Restoring Honor. This came from a question that one of our members gave me, and they said, what do you do when honor has been lost? And so this message kind of uh, capulates that whole And so the goal of our message today is to show you how honor is lost and then hopefully put you on the path of restoring honor in your hearts and in your lives. Now, let me remind you that one of the benefits of honor is increase. Everybody say this with me. One of the benefits of honor is increase. So we're going to go to Isaiah 29. Then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, verses 54. And one of the things that we've learned throughout the series is honor is something that can be done either from our head or from our hearts. Isaiah 29, 13, they're going to put it on the screen. It says, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people, they draw nigh to me or close to me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. In other words, the condition of our hearts play a major role in our ability to honor. Can you agree with that? Amen. So we learn uh, throughout our series that Jesus was not able to do some mighty works in his own hometown. He was not able to do some miracles and some mighty things because they became offended 
in him or at him. So Matthew 13, I'm going back over this because, and the reason I'm doing this is to show you that offense is one of the major uh, obstacles for honor to be, uh, to not come forth. So in Matthew 13, 54, it says, and when he, Jesus, was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and they said, hey, who gave this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Verse 55 says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary, his brother James and his Joseph and Simon and Judas? In other words, what they were doing was they were identifying Jesus from his natural genealogy. Verse 56, and his sisters, are they not all with us? When does this man know all these things? Verse 57, and they were what class? Come on now, say it with me. They were what? They were offended in Jesus. Wow. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor except for in his own country and in his own house. In other words, listen, their offense is what diminished their honor. I'm going to say that again. Their offense in Jesus or at Jesus is what diminished their honor. And because honor wasn't there, it diminished the miracles that Jesus could do. Amen. Their offense is what diminished their honor. And listen, offense is powerful. Come on, everybody say offense is powerful. Offense is powerful. Do not underestimate how powerful offense can be and how it can impact your life because this offense that we're going to look at real quick, it caused John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, by the way, it caused him to deny the very Christ that he introduced into the world and even baptized. Offense did that. In Luke chapter 7, verse 16, what we're about to read, is the story about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist allowed offense to keep him from now believing in who the Christ was. It says, And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, that God has visited his people, and this rumor of him of Jesus went forth throughout all Judea and through all the regions and the disciples of John. In other words, Jesus saw rising up and the disciples of John showed him of all these things. They said, hey, listen, John, Jesus is healing the sick. He's raising the dead. Blind eyes are being opened. He's even healing COVID-19 cases, right? And it says in verse 19, and John called unto him two of his disciples he sent them to Jesus saying, are you he that should come or should we look for somebody else? And when the men would come to him, they said to, they said to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us saying, are you the one that we should look for or should we look for another? And in that same hour, watch what happened. He cured many of their infirmities, their plagues, which what's COVID-19 is a plague, and evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Watch verse 22. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the blind eyes see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Watch verse 33 because that's why I read all of that. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
Wow. Notice that Jesus is implying that John the Baptist was in an offensive state. Let's see what offense did to his heart. Verse 19 says, And John calling unto him two of his disciples, and he says, Are you he that shall come, or should we look for another? Listen, that offense changed John's heart to the point that he doubted who Jesus was. That's how powerful offense was. It caused John to doubt who Jesus actually was. And what we're about to read, because I want to read another account, of when John received revelation about who Jesus was. And the only reason I'm about to read what I'm reading is to show you how powerful offense is. Because a lot of us Christians and believers, we have allowed offense to just wreck our lives. And so offense is one of those major blockages to honor. This is why I'm talking about that. Because remember... His own hometown could not give proper honor to Jesus because they were offended by him. So here's a take-home statement. If you're taking notes or if you're going back through the video this week, I want you to write down this take-home statement. Offense will cause you to forget revelation that God has given you. I'm going to say that again. And I'm teaching you today because I want you to get the full impact of what honor will do for your life. And offense will cause you to forget revelation that God has given you. And when I say revelation, I mean not only what God has told you through his word, but what God has spoken to you by his spirit. I want you to think about it this way because it happens to lots of people. Have you ever met people who got offended at a church? And because they got offended at that church, they just stopped attending church altogether. And and what has happened is they have allowed offense to forget why they even supposed to be in church. Someone say amen to that. Amen. It happens in relationships. You get offended by something in a relationship, even in a marriage relationship. And instead of working things through, either you reduce your honor, which we're going to talk about, or you just eliminate the relationship altogether. And this is what happened when best friends have been best friends for years. And someone offended the other one and instead of working through it they just decided to just eliminate the relationship altogether so let me give you some backdrop backdrop we're about to read john chapter one and we're going to look in verse 25 let me give the, the backdrop first okay when you read john chapter one all of these jews and the pharisees and the sadducees they came to jesus i mean to uh, john and they said hey john who are you are you that prophet are you elias who are you And so he said, hey, I'm not the Christ. And then they said, well, if you're not the Christ, then who are you? So long story short, John said, hey, look, I am not the Christ. So now we pick it up in verse 25. And so they said to him, then why are you baptizing then if you're not the Christ? Nor Elias, neither that prophet. Verse 26, John answered them and said, hey, I'm baptizing you with water. But there is one who is standing among you that is actually uh, that you don't even know. And he's coming after me, and yet he's preferred before me. And his shoes, his sandals, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. Verse 28 says, These things were done in Barthabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Watch verse 29, because here's my point. I'm about to show you that John the Baptist received revelation from God of who Jesus was, but the offense that he received caused him to forget about the revelation that God had given him. Watch this now. 
Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming and he said, hey, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Everybody say, that's revelation. That is revelation. He, by the Spirit of God, knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God to take away all the sins from the world. Verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me who comes a man which is preferred before me. Verse 31. And I knew him not, but he's he that should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, listen now, listen to what John is saying. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And that spirit, like a dove, came and abode upon him, or Jesus. Verse 33, here's the revelation. And I knew him not. In other words, I didn't know who he was. But he that sent me to baptize, who is God, with water, the same said to me, when you see the spirit descending and remaining on this person, the same is he who is going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. Do you see the revelation that John got from the spirit of God? So when you and I allow offense to work in our heart, it will cause you to start forgetting the revelation that God has given you. And this is what happens. This is why one of the biggest things the enemy wants to use on believers is offense. Someone say amen to that. Look in verse 30, uh, verse 34. He says, and I saw and bear record that this was the son of God. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, they looked upon Jesus. And as he walked, watch what John said. Behold, the Lamb of God. Man, offense is so powerful, it will cause you to forget the instructions and the revelation that God has given you. Someone say, that's powerful. Now, somewhere, and we can trace it. We don't have time this morning to trace what made John the Baptist get offended. It's not spelled out clearly, but I believe one of the things that offended John is he ended up going to prison on behalf of Jesus. And I don't know if Jesus went to visit him to put some money on his books. But anyway, at any rate, John got offended. So let's look at some areas where you and I have been instructed to honor. And I want you to ask yourself as we go through these areas, where is your honor level? And then I want you to look at not only your honor level, but look at how what your offense level might be in these different categories of relationships. So we talked about honoring God. Everybody say honoring God. And this is the, listen now, this is the only relationship that honor always, say always, that honor always includes obedience. I'm going to say this again. Because I'm going to share some things with you that you probably wouldn't hear in a regular church service. You probably wouldn't hear in church. I'm going to break down because, listen, honor does not always mean obedience. So let me show you here. God, honoring God, this is the only relationship that honor always includes obedience. In other words, when God instructs us to honor him. His expectation is for us, watch this, to obey what he says to do. It is impossible to say that we're honoring God and we don't submit to what his word says we should do. Someone say amen to that. Now, does God need our obedience to love us? Absolutely not. 
God does not need our obedience to love us. The Bible says, for God so loved the what? world. Is the world obeying God? No. So God does not need our obedience to love us. God is not like we are where our love is dependent on how the person acts or what they do. His love is amazing. His love never, listen, it never ends and it is irrevocable. That's powerful. Everybody say that's powerful. But listen, never mistake God's love as his approval for you to disobey him though. I'm going to say that again. Well, you know, because sometimes what people do, they say, well, God loves me. And, and, you know, one of the members had asked me the difference between God's perfect will and God's permissive will. Well, that's really clear. God doesn't have a permissive will. He only has his perfect will. The permissive will comes into play is when we decide to do what we want to do. So he's going to let us do that because we're free moral will agents, right? But at the same time, that doesn't mean that he's a, he approves of that. So never mistake God's love as his approval for us to disobey him or his word. Someone say amen to that. So let me break this down. Grace covers sin, but not always covers the repercussions of our sin. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Church is quiet in the house today. You know. People say we live in an age of grace, and we do. But you can never have grace without faith. Never. The scripture says this, for by grace are you saved through faith. You cannot get saved by grace alone because if grace alone caused salvation, everybody could be saved without doing anything. It says by grace and by faith. So listen, grace alone is not enough. Now, grace covers our sin. The Bible says, do I sin that grace may abound? It says, God forbid. But it says, but boy, grace, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So grace covers our sin, but it does not always cover our repercussions from sin. I'll give an example. You went and killed somebody. And uh, the sentencing, they uh, decided to give you 25 years instead of life well that's grace but let's say you start serving the 25 and you get out at 15 that's grace right so grace it does not it covers our sin but it does not always uh cover or deal with our repercussions so everybody say honoring god i'm gonna say this one more time it is the only relationship that honor always includes obedience now let's look at honoring our parents Okay. How many have had parents in your life? Let me see your hand. Everybody's hand ought to be up. How many had parents through the lens? Okay. Uh, Even if you didn't know them, somebody birthed you here. I said in honoring God, it is the only relationship that honor always includes obedience. The parental slash children relationship is one that requires obedience and honor as well. I'm going to say that again. A child slash parent relationship is also one of those relationships that includes both obedience and honor. Obedience is the action and honor is the heart attitude. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, they're going to put it on the screen. It says children. It did not say adults. I'm going to clear it up in just a minute. Children, obey your what? Parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Verse 2. 
Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, which a promise. And remember now, I've been teaching that anytime you and I honor, it causes increase to come. He says, when you honor your father and mother, watch verse 3, that it might be well with you and that you may live a long time on the earth. So we've been commanded by God to honor our parents as children, but not always obey them as adults. So let me take you that, that Ephesians chapter 6. Let me take you to the verse that it was first used in the Bible, which was part of the Ten Commandments. This is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This was one of the commandments. It says, honor thy father and thy mother. Let me ask you a question. Did it put an age group on that? No. Okay. So children need to obey and honor. But as an adult, it says, honor thy father and mother. Listen, that your days may be long upon the earth. Listen, so listen, there's still a promise when you and I honor our parents. You don't have to obey them, but honor them. He still says that long life is granted. So when, when, here's the question. When can we stop obeying our parents? When we're grown. Well, what does grown mean? You're out of their house and you're out of their pocket. (laughs) That's what grown. Give me a clap to the lens. Clap to the lens. Put some claps on the screen. Claps on the screen. Once you're grown, the commandment of honoring your parents still apply. So some of you who are watching me are dishonoring your parents. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people cuss their parents out. I mean, growing up, you wouldn't have a tongue in my generation. Now, I I know we had enforced honor, you know, growing up. Our honor was enforced. You know, when when you have a parent that says, boy, if you say that again, I will slap you in the next week and then hit you back in the week before. You know, that kind of stuff. That's That's honor being enforced, right? So, The only time that honor and obedience needs to take place in a parent uh, relationship is when the parent and and the child. Once a person is grown, honor only needs to take place. Here's the third area. We're almost wrapping up here. And that is honoring civil and work authorities. Now, it's about to get a little thick in here. It's going to get a little thick in here. I am going to say some things that relate to our culture But let me say this about our culture. Culture changes, the word doesn't. Okay, so watch this now. And I'm talking about honoring civil and work authorities. While I'm talking about this, I want you to examine your heart to see if there's offense in here. Okay, because if there's offense in your heart in this area, then you're not going to properly honor whoever you need to honor. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, we read this verse. I'm going to go over it again. It says, honor how many people? Honor all men. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The Living Bible says this. Show respect for everyone. Love Christians everywhere. Fear God and honor the government. So I'm going to repeat myself. Everybody say he's about to repeat himself. Let me repeat myself again. Outside of God and our parents when we are children... Honor does not always mean that you have to obey. So let's talk now about something that's a hot topic. Let's talk about the American flag. Can we do that, church? 
The American flag is the symbol that is supposed to represent what our country stands for. Do you all agree with that? The Pledge of Allegiance says, you know, with liberty and justice for all. And because, listen, there is no law that says we must stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. It's not a law that says we have to do that. And because it's a law, not a law, listen, then it's that person's right to not honor the flag by not standing. Now, is that right or is that wrong? It's neither one. It's preference. Trust me, if there was a law that said you have to stand with the flag, there would be a lot of deported Americans in this country right now. But we can't view it as if, you know, they're dishonoring. Doesn't matter at that point because it's not a law. Remember, I'm talking about honoring, right? So if you choose to not honor the flag or honor the flag, it's preference at this point. Now, let me read the amplified version of Colossians chapter 3. It talks about the work relationship. It says, servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not only when they, they are looking at you as eyes pleasers of men or pleasers of men, but in simplicity of purpose, with all your heart. Well, how much your heart, church? All your heart. Because of your reverence for the Lord and as a sincere expression of your devotion to him, whatever may be your task, watch this, work it heartily from the soul as something done. For the Lord and, not, and for the Lord and not unto men, knowing, in other words, he's saying, listen, when you go to work, don't work for your company. Don't work for your boss. You need to work as if you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says you need to do it from the heart and from the soul. And you cannot do it properly from the heart or from the soul when your heart and your soul is offended. Watch what he says here. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually serving is who, class? Come on, who? Is the Lord Christ the Messiah? So here's the question. Here's the question. Touch your neighbor says, but get hot, but get hot. Got the, uh, here we go. So do I obey my boss with whatever they ask me to do? Here's the answer to that. No. If it violates God's word or if it violates your morals or your conscience, you do not have to obey your boss. Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I know this is, y'all don't, y'all don't normally hear this in church. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, right? So let me give you an example. Years ago, when Pastor Sarah and I first got married, we moved here back to the States. The Lord told me to sell cars. What an unusual request. Wasn't down my field. It was in my field, but I had never done it before. I have a degree in business with an emphasis in marketing, but marketing and sales kind of go together. And so he was getting me ready for something, so he told me to start selling cars. And so I I went up to, I'm not even going to say the dealership name. I went to this dealership, got a job, and I started selling cars. So they teach you how to sell cars the way they want you to sell them. So one day, I had a customer, and I got their trade in because they were trading in a car to buy a car from me. So I know the, I know the drill. You take their trade in down to used cars. The used car manager will look the car up, look over the car, look through the car, and then determine the value of the car. Okay, that's, the, that's, the, that, that's what you do, right? So I did that, and uh, 
when I got back up and my manager looked over things, uh, I went inside to my customer with the price that they had estimated for their vehicle. And I said, hey, this is what they told me they could, we could give you for your trade. They said, well, that's not enough. We want some more money for our trade-in. So I said, okay, let me just go tell that to my boss. And I went into the manager's office and I said, hey, you know, the customer says they want more money for their trade-in. So he says, take the car back down to, 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 to use cars and let them know that. I said, okay, here we go again. So I get in the car, I take it to the used car, and I go in there, and the, the manager's name for used cars is named Kevin. I said, hey, Kevin, uh, so-and-so asked me to bring this back down. Uh, you've already looked at it, but he, they, they want more money for their trade. He says, oh, okay, just have a seat. So I sat down. A few minutes go by. Kevin ain't looking at their car. I said, Kevin... Are you going to look at their car? He said, oh, I, ain't, I don't have to look at it. He said, this is called dog and pony. We just want them to think we're looking at it, but we're not. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah. We might give them a little bit more, but we're not going to change the price that much. We just, In fact, in about five more minutes, just go back up there. So I sold the car and everything to the customer, right? After that, now see, I'm a Christian. I didn't feel right about that. Because that felt deceptive to me. So I went into my boss's office. I said, hey, listen. I didn't know about the whole dog and the pony thing. But I'm not doing that no more. So if I have to sell a car by doing the dog and pony, you need to get rid of me right now. Because I'm not going to do that. Everybody say, you don't have to always obey when you honor did I honor him? Yes, but I was not going to violate my conscience because they wanted me to do a dog and pony. Someone say amen to that. Let's talk about this last area. Let's talk about honoring marital relationships, okay? The marital relationship as a whole is honorable. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, we're almost finished. It says marriage is what, class? There it is. Marriage is what? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, what is a whoremonger? We don't use that word. What is a whoremonger? Well, it's a whore that mongers. <laughs> it's a whore that mongers. That's what a whoremonger is. Everybody say marriage is honorable. Uh, the New Living Translation of that verse says this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now the word honorable, I want you to watch this now. This is so powerful. I've never seen this before. This word honorable in that verse means valuable, dear, and precious. You know how in some of the old school relationships, like my mom used to call my dad dear. That means honorable, valuable, and precious. This same word honorable, the Greek word for honorable, is used in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. I want to read it to you just to kind of give you the dynamics of what this word honorable means. 1 Peter 1, 18, it says, For as much 
as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed uh, uh, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received from your tradition of your fathers. Watch verse 19. He says, but you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That word precious is the same word honorable. So when he says marriage is honorable, he's saying marriage is precious. He says, as of with a lamb without spot or blemish. That's powerful because marriage is so precious and valuable that God compares it to the precious blood of Jesus. Do y'all see that? Honor in marriage should start from the head and flow down. So I have a video that I want to introduce to you right now. I want you all to watch the video because this is not how honor from the head should happen. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to back? Go ahead and shoot the video for me. Watch my leg twitch. Watch this. sent me that video and I watched it I was like I mean very creative don't you agree you know uh, but she wasn't ready for that and that wasn't planned at all because she twitched when he first started singing and then we can see you know she was like can you watch can you wake me up as a normal person but then what really got me we could see who the violent was in the relationship right right that's not how you honor as the head someone say amen in fact, Proverbs 27, 14, I learned this verse years ago when I was in college because one of my roommates happened to be like this person and would want to wake up with loud stuff like that. It says this, he that blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted as a curse to him. So if you're thinking about doing that, don't do that, Right. So let me read the New King James Version because I'm talking about honor in a marriage. If honor in a marriage is going to work, honor has to start from the head. Who's the head of the, the family, the other wife? The man is, right? Listen what it says. Husbands, likewise, live with, your, live with them. Uh, the New King James says with understanding. The King James says with knowledge. Giving honor to who? The wife as to the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. You want your prayers to stop, don't honor your wife. Amen. Listen, so now I'm about to say some things that really can make it tight in here. Okay, here we go. The only time that a wife does not have to submit to a husband is when what is being asked or done violates God's word it violates that woman's conscience 
or because of its moral nature, it violates, or we can go on and say, or if what he asking her to do violates the law of the land. So this is not a 100% you just need to submit. No, 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 because what, if you, what you're asking me to do violates God's word, if it violates my conscience, if it, is, if it violates the moral nature of what I believe, or if it violates the law of the land, I'm not going to do it. I will not be Bonnie if you're Clyde. We're not going to rob this bank together. Say Amen. Here's the last one, and then I'm going to show you how to restore honor. The last area is honoring spiritual authority. Now, this one is going to get tight, too. Because, see, we, we touched on it last Sunday, but let me say this. Honor doesn't always mean obedience, even when it comes to spiritual authority. Hebrews 13, 7, I'm going to read the verse, and then I'm going to break it down for you. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for benefit of, for you. So listen, authority can be abused, and this includes spiritual authority. I've seen it, and I'm pretty sure some of you have experienced it, right? You should never say never. Let me look at the lens. You should never ever submit to spiritual authority that expects you to violate God's word, violate your conscience, violate your, listen, or create disorder or disunity within your marital relationship. If it is going to create problems in your marriage, don't, you don't have to obey that because they don't have to sleep with your husband or wife. You do. Amen, church. So, let me make sure that's clear. Because people who abuse spiritual authority will make you feel like you have to do whatever they say do. It doesn't work like that. And this is why you and I have to know who we are in Christ Jesus so we can say no when you need to say no. And I'm saying you're going to say it with respect. No, I can't do that. No, I won't do that. But if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, it'll struggle because they'll try to use their spiritual authority and put you in a headlock. I'm telling you, if I'm asking you to do something that violates God's word, if it violates your conscience, or if it's creating division within your marital relationship, I'm telling you to tell me don't know. First of all, I ain't going to ask you to do that because I'm teaching you truth. See, you're not going to hear this everywhere. See, some of you all have come from churches and they pushed you into doing things that you shouldn't have done. It violated your conscience. It messed up your house. Or it, 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 it caused you to disobey the word. Well, the buck has to stop somewhere. It stops today. Amen. So if God expects us to honor in different ways and at different levels, and if the blockage of honor is offense, here's the question. How do we restore honor where honor has been breached? How do we do that? Here's the steps to restoring honor. I'll put them on the screen for you. Here's the first step. First step right here. First step number one. You have to recognize that an offense has happened so that it can be dealt with. 
Because honor is from the heart, it is impossible for honor and offense to operate at the same time. So the first thing when it comes to now restoring honor, because if you just look at certain relationships, especially married relationships, and you stop doing the things you used to do, it's because somewhere you got offended and you didn't deal with it. And now you offended, you just lower your honor level. You didn't used to cuss her out. What happened? Quiet in here, ain't Hey man, you didn't have, you didn't you didn't used to say to him, "Yo, mama, when did you do that? What happened?" You got to recognize that an offense has happened, and then you have to deal with it, because honor and offense cannot work at the same time in the heart. Here's number two: go to the person, whether it's your wife, husband, whether it's your friend, whether it's your your BF, your old, you know, they they need to come up with a new BFF. It needs to say something like. Uh, uh, O-B-F-F, oh, best friend, uh, you know, best, what does B-F-F stand for? Best friend forever? Yeah. It needs to be B-F-N then, B-F-F-N, best friend never. Go to the person. If the offense has, hap- that defense has happened to, whether it's you or it's them, and make it right. So I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, Matthew chapter 18. It says, Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go tell it on the mountain, put it on Facebook and Instagram. It did not say that. It says if your brother is offended against you, if they press trespassed against you, Go tell him or her his fault between you and them alone. Come on, church. Why is it that everybody else knows about what that person did and you ain't told them? Shame, shame. Watch verse 16. But if he, no, and this is a, Between you and him alone, if he or she shall hear you, you've gained your brother or sister. But if he or she will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And if he or she shall neglect to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he or she neglects to hear the church, then let that person be as a heathen man or a publican. You know, in other words, he said, let them be like the world. The world don't want to forgive. The world don't want to let it go. Let that person be like that. Watch verse, watch no, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, it's time for you to give. And you remember that your brother has something against you. This is not even something you did, but you know that he's mad at you or she's mad at you about something. He says, leave your gift before the altar. Notice he didn't say take it with you. (laughs) Leave the gift at the altar and remember that your brother has all against you. Leave it. Leave the gift there. Go there. Go your way and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So listen. If an offense has taken place, get it right. Here's number three. Once the offense has been addressed, listen to this part now, then repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. In other words, humble yourself where you need to so that offense no longer has a place in your heart. Because I'm about to say something that's real strong. Touch your neighbor and say it's real strong right here. 
repenting repositions your heart to be able to honor again. I'm going to say that again. Repenting repositions your heart to be able to honor again. Remember now, your feelings are just residue from your carnal nature. The negative feelings that we have, you know, somebody can tell you they sorry. And you just, it's like you didn't even hear it. Why? You have to understand, feelings are just the, the residue from your carnal nature. So once now the offense has been addressed, you have to humble yourself. Repenting repositions your heart to be able to honor again. Here's number four. For the future now, this is for the future. Use God's word as the standard for your actions and your attitude when it comes to honor. Use the word as your map. Use the word as your navigating system. So in the future, now you are honoring based on God's word and not based on how that person is treating you. Someone say amen to that. And then here's number five. Remember, the top goal when it comes to honor is for us to please God first. Pleasing God will keep your heart pliable at all times. And I believe there are some people watching me today. And I believe there are some people in this room right here that probably needs to get some offenses straight. It's affecting your honor. You know, I had a boss years ago named Cecil Bowles. And Cecil was an interesting man, wasn't a believer. And Cecil was a hard manager. I mean, he, he worked me like I made the kind of money he made. And I did it. I did it with honor and with respect. And I'll never forget. I mean, he would work me hard. And what was interesting is everybody in the division that we were in knew that I was doing Cecil's work. Right? Let me tell you what happened. Anytime I needed to be off, anytime I needed to leave early, all I had to do was say, hey, Cease, I got it. He said, hey, no problem, go ahead. I didn't even have to finish the sentence, but let me tell you what really happened. Cecil decided to leave the company. And when Cecil le left the company, he went to his boss, which would then become my boss, and said, give Evan a $10,000 raise. He's been doing my job all this time. Everybody say, that's honor. Had I let Cecil's treatment towards me, which wasn't bad, it was just tough. If I had let it offended me, I don't believe that increase would have came. With every head bowed right here in the sanctuary and every head bowed right there on the, through the lens, there are some people that God wants to do some things in your heart. There's some offense that's taking place at work, on the job, in your business, at home, in your relationship, through your children. Let the Spirit of God deal with you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, it's come as, a, as a, a healing bomb. It's come to root up and to dig up and to plant. And I thank you for the hearts of everyone who's watching me today. That through what they've heard, They'll be honest with themselves and they'll be honest before you. And I thank you that somewhere John the Baptist got his heart back straight. And I pray that, Father, we'll get our hearts back straight with you and with whoever we need to 
so that, Father, we can experience increase from our lives through honoring in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever head still bowed. Maybe you're here today. You said, Pastor Evan, here's my question. If you died today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not sure you'd go to heaven, I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here in the room and this is your first or second time visiting. And, and if you died today, you're not sure.